this morning, I'm going to start off with a joke. And obviously, the joke is dated because it, you will tell in just a moment of what, you know, that, that is not anything that would ever happen today. But years ago, troopers in Texas were the guys. I mean, they're just, they could do anything they wanted to. And this trooper pulled over this car, and it was speeding or whatever, and, and the, the driver gave him some lips. So, you know, he ended up, you know, getting really aggressive with him. He ended up just hitting him upside the head and said, you know, you know, I need to smack some sense into you. Of course, that would never happen today. And, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And he went around the car to the other side and said, roll down your window to the passenger. And he reached and smacked them upside the head and goes, what did I do? I didn't get lippy with you. He goes, no, but I know. As you went down the road, you'd be like, I'm glad, you better not be glad he didn't try that with me because I would have, he's like, I'm just going to tell you you've been doing that, so I'm just doing it to you now. Now, obviously, that's a joke, and obviously, that would never happen today, but isn't that kind of like what happens to us? People stand on the outside of us, and they want to slap us upside the head, or they want to tell us what we think they think that we should do. There's always a spectator that's out there saying, well, I think you should do this or that. And there's always a critic who's standing there looking at you in your problem and giving their unsolicited opinions. I want you to think about that. When you're in your problem, because we all are going to face problems. We're all going to go through something that we need help in. And there's always those people that are going to be critics. This morning, we're looking at a story of Daniel, and it's going to be based out of Daniel chapter 3. But in chapter 1 and chapter 2, just to set the plate a little bit for you, the children of Israel were caught in captivity, and they took the best of the best, the cream of the crop of all the young men and women, and they took them and put them in the king's service. So there's about 400 of them, it said. And they started teaching them how to speak their language and to do their culture. And they even gave them, you know, their different names. And, you know, they're just trying to shape them into their culture. And David, I'm sorry, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four of the 400. And they rose to the top and, and God had great favor on them. So there was a situation, the king had a dream in chapter one and chapter two, and he wanted, he was very troubled by it. And he told all the sorcerers, all the, the psychics of the time and all of them to, to tell him what he dreamt and to tell him the interpretation. Well, how many of you know, if somebody tells you they had a dream, you can kind of fake it and say, well, I think it means this and that's something else. Everybody have an opinion. But for someone to actually tell you the dream and then tell you what it meant, you got to be the real deal. So nobody could do that. And the king ordered everybody to be, you know, be executed. And they were coming to execute Daniel and the four and the three Hebrew children. And Daniel said, well, what's going on? You know, so he goes, well, give me a shot. Let me go see the king. Let me have an audience with the king. And so he did and prayed and God showed him what the the dream was. And King Nebuchadnezzar was just blown away by this whole thing. And, you know, no one got their head removed from them. And, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the God who truly is a God in heaven. And that's where we find ourselves now. Because King Nebuchadnezzar didn't learn from that situation. He hadn't had a life change. He had had an encounter with God, but he missed the point And even with Daniel, he started trying to bow down and worship Daniel because Daniel was able to tell him his dream. He goes, you're missing the whole thing. I am nothing. It's all about God. And God is the one who did this. And Daniel's trying to um, point him to God. 
and he's trying to bow down and worship him. Now, I went into this in great depths and all that perspective, and I just encourage you to read through the book of Daniel, the first several chapters, and it's a fascinating story, especially when you imagine that you're in the Bible, that that's you that it's talking about. But last year, I did a message on the power of three friends, and I went into that part of the story in great significance. But we're looking this morning at the rest of the story, if you will, and in a different perspective of it all. Undoubtedly, King Nebuchadnezzar thought... He knew God. After all this stuff happened with Daniel and the God of Israel came in, but he missed it. Nothing had transformed in his life. No transformation had happened because now he was still looking for something to bow down to. So he created this golden idol that is 90 feet tall. Think about that. That's nine stories. And it's nine feet in circumference, nine feet around, 90 stories feet tall. That's just huge, made out of gold. And he commanded that everybody had to bow down to it. And they had the special music they played and all this stuff. And so here Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves, and they're not going to bow down to something other than Jehovah, the great God that they serve and that we serve. And so some people tattled on them. We see in Daniel chapter 3, verse 8, but some of the astrologers Some of the people who were supposed to be executed with Daniel, but they didn't. They went to the king and they informed on the Jews. Verse 12, they said, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Now, it's, it's interesting as I saw this, there are some Jews. That, does that mean that some Jews did bow down to it? There were some that didn't have the, the moral um, compass to stand up to him. But anyway, that's not the purpose. It's just like, hmm, some people are going to follow the right thing. Some people aren't. But they didn't, and they're getting called out for it. So verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar went into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they're brought in, he said in verse 14, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I made when, you're, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. If you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, look at this, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now, isn't that just like a textbook case of narcissism? I mean, here he had come face-to-face with God, with Daniel. Nobody could tell him what his dream was. God told it to Daniel. God gave him this whole revelation, and now he thinks he's bigger than God again. And he says, what God will be able to rescue you from me? But isn't that kind of how we find ourselves sometimes? We have a boss that's just like overbearing, or we have this situation, or these other people that are pulling the strings in our lives, and they're telling us, you got to do this, and we're subject to their power. And and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were subject to his power. And it isn't some people, they still think that what God is able to come and help you because I've got you right here. He's not here. Who's going to be able to rescue you? I I was talking to someone this week, and they left the restaurant that they were working to come work at the restaurant that I eat at every day, and they said they left there because the managers would not give them good shifts unless they were sleeping with the managers. 
And they felt this horrible pressure and this significant problem that was there. And they're like, oh, what can I do? I mean, they have power over me and I can't do this. And they, they ended up leaving the situation. We still have situations where people can be overbearing on us. I want to tell you about Job a little bit. Now, that's the story that everybody asks me whenever they're trying to test me about things about the scripture. Well, what about Job? Job was a righteous man. The Bible says he was doing everything right so much that when God, Father God, is having a conversation with the devil, which is like mind-blowing to think about them talking. He says, you know, everybody is doing their right thing. He goes, Job even won't do anything. And God says, well, have you considered Job? He's like, I can't get to him because you've got all these protections around him. Thank you, God, for the protections that are around us that keeps the devil out. And he says, but if you take that protection down, I'll show you. I'll make him curse you. God says, challenge accepted. So God allowed the protections to go away. And the devil went in and he lost his family. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost everything he had. And that's where we pick up here. His friends are even telling him, Job, I don't know what's going on, but just curse God and get it over with. Die. I mean, just come on. I mean, can anything get any worse for you? And just, just forget about it. Now, we see the conversation with God and the devil. Mind-blowing. But the, we see that conversation, so we kind of see there's a test that's going on there. But Job doesn't see that. Job is just on Thursday going, what in the world happened? I mean, it seems like night and day, all of a sudden, all these problems are coming against me, my wife and my children and and all these things. And and what else can go wrong? Anybody ever said that? What else can go wrong? And all of these problems are coming against him. But I love his heart. In Job 13, 13, he says, keep silent, everybody, and let me speak. Then let come to me what may. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life into my own hands? Though he slay me, talking about God, yet will I hope in him. He doesn't understand what's going on that he's going to test and God's allowing this to happen. He doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is his faith is solid in God. And he goes, though he slay me, though he allows me to perish even, yet I will hope in him. And I will put myself in his love. Get back to Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they're there before King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's given them this edict. And you either are going to do this or I'm throwing you into the fire. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about it or not. But being burned alive in a furnace has got to be one of the worst ways to die. Because it's not going to be immediate. You're going to have all this pain. It's going to be hot. Your, your insides are going to be like cooking. It's, it's just a horrible thing. And you, you're going to be running around screaming. And that's how they did executions at that time for that period of time. And undoubtedly, they'd seen that happen before. Just this, oh, it's just horrible. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. Whoa. They're standing in front of the guy that can throw them in the fire. He just gave them a challenge. What God is going to be able to protect you from my power? And it's true. He had the power to throw them in. But I love their respectfulness that you'll see. But they said, we don't need to defend ourselves. 
A few weeks ago, we talked about that God is our defender. That if you're in the courtroom and, and you're sitting over here and the, the prosecutor's over there telling all this stuff, that you're supposed to sit there and be quiet and let your defender talk for you. And that defender is God. They're even saying this here. We don't need to come up with that defense. Verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18 sounds like Job. But even if he doesn't, we want to make this clear to you. Again, with respect, your majesty. We will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you've set up. This makes Nebuchadnezzar even more furious. And he's not being triggered to think about what happened with Daniel But he's just all self-absorbed in this. And he commands it to be made seven times hotter. Then he calls for the biggest guys in his army to come and bind the three of them up with with robes and everything. Just as they are. Now, I mean, they're not fighting. They're not saying they're going to give any resistance. They're being respectful. Why is he like so overkilling with this thing? And then they go to throw them into the fire. And those big guys of the army, the most fit, the biggest, strongest, they're perishing because the flames are so hot. They're just trying to carry out the orders of their king, and they're perishing themselves. I kind of think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego might have even had to step across some of those dead bodies to keep just obeying the edict of the, Lord, of the king. But suddenly, verse 24... But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. One translation says, looks like the son of God. Now, It's kind of creepy to think about the king trying to watch somebody take pleasure in seeing them burn to death and screaming and yelling. But he's undoubtedly seen this and he's used to seeing them freaking out. And here they are standing in the fire, walking around. What was binding them that he put on there is now gone. And they're walking in the fire unharmed. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. See the change? Come out. Come here. I love this verse. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire where they're thrown in there and it's seven times hotter and the biggest guys in the army are dying because it's so hot and they should have just been consumed. They're walking around. They're not even trying to get out because they're free. They could have said, hey, this isn't working out so good for you, king. We're still going to walk out. But they stayed in there in obedience because God showed up in the middle of their fire. And as they're there, they're waiting for him to say, and then they walked out of that fire. I love that. Now, everybody is standing around watching. It says, verse 27, Then the high officials, the officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them. They'd seen plenty of people executed in there, but they'd never seen anybody that's standing up in there. They'd never seen anybody that wasn't touched by the fire. It says, They saw that the fire had not touched them, 
Now I want you to remember this. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. Remember that. They didn't even smell like smoke. Now chapter 4 continues a story. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race, nation, language, throughout the world. So he got on Twitter, and he said, Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. What, wait, hold on. For you? Wasn't it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the fire? Wasn't it them that God showed up in the midst of the fire and protected them that they didn't die? And yet he's proclaiming this that it's all about him? But you see, it's not just them. It was Daniel. It was God reaching out and proving himself. But now what happened with Daniel in the dream, Nebuchadnezzar didn't get this relationship with God. He didn't understand it. He didn't make this connection with it that he still came back. But now this thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire has now become a nationally known situation. And God received the glory for it. And who does he say it's from? It's for him. See, in 1 John 4, verse 4, it says, You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over the people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit of who lives in the world. In the NASB, it says, Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Now, I want you to think about that. That's talking about when you've accepted Christ in your life, when you've made a decision to follow Christ, he has now come inside of you and he lives inside of you and he helps you in your situations. Here, the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they ended up in the fire for God to show up in there with them. And he's saying, greater is he that is in you than all the stuff that's outside of you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the king, and he said, you look, I, who can save you from my power? Greater inside of you in the fire was King Nebuchadnezzar. Greater is he. The sad news of this whole thing is, God isn't likely going to deliver you from what's causing a problem. See, that's what we want. I mean, let's be honest. That's, that's really what we'd like. We'd like to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there in front of the king. And all of a sudden, lightning bolts come flying from heaven. The king goes, oh my gosh, what was that? You know, and just like angels go, you know, just like fills the whole place. And he's shaking and trembling and all this stuff. We want to see Jesus up on the, the cross and the nails go, boom, boom, boom. And he's just like, oh, you know, he floats off. That. But God's not into sensationalism. He's not into trying to impress you. Here. Is what happens. God loves to show when you're in the midst of your difficulty that he's there with you. See, that's the thing that lets everybody in the world know what's going on different. But this is the most important thing that we have today. I want us to say it together. I want us to declare this out, out loud together. Greater is he who is in you. And then the second time we're going to say in me. So we're going to say it together, all right? Just, uh, just uh, you know, humor me with this. I don't ask you to do much. If you come here regularly, you know. But just I want you to get the point of saying this out loud. Here you go with me. Ready? 
Greater is he who is in you. Now say it with me. Here we go. Greater is he who is in me. We need to know that, that the Spirit of God, the same God that showed up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is there residing inside of me. Greater. Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So all the struggles that we have that are coming against us, all the problems that we have, isn't the problem. If there's a boyfriend that's causing a problem or a husband or a wife or a boss or a sibling or a mother or father or whatever it is, that flesh and blood that's causing you grief is not the problem, it says. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And it goes on to talk about the different layers of spiritual darkness that is going on there. And then the next verse it goes into, it says, Therefore, because of all this, you're not wrestling against them. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, not, you'll never have a bad day. Hey, you're a Christian. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be a bed of roses. No, whoever told you that was lying to you because it says when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. What does that mean? That means it, it tells us different things you're supposed to do. Put on the, the you know, feet and the armor plate and the, the, you know, the, all these different things. You can read through that on your own in Ephesians 6. But it says, do all that. And when you've done that, stand your ground. Get your fighting stance on. And then after you've done everything, you've done everything. You make sure you've got everything in line. I haven't left any doors open to the devil. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm reading the word of God. I'm reading the one-year Bible with the church. And, and I'm doing all the things. If you've done everything, stand. And then the next verse says, and stand some more. So when you've done absolutely everything you can know to do, and you've done what God said to do, you stand, and then you stand some more. John 15, 8 says, My Father is glorified by this, Jesus is speaking, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. What is that fruit? Standing. Standing in the midst of your fire. Standing when everybody else is going through something and you're like, nope, this isn't getting me down. And you're standing there with God and you're plugging into God and God shows up in the midst of that fire and you're like, hey, I'm not even trying to get out of this situation anymore because God's in here with me. Man, I know I'm going to go through the fire. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire because they got thrown in there and they got called out. Now I want to show you something really cool that I found as I was reading this. In history that we just read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this happened about 585 B.C. So 585 years before Christ. The prophet Isaiah prophesied, prophesied the scripture we're about to read in 711 B.C., 128 years before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before they were even in bondage, in captivity, and this is how the Hebrew culture passed on all the stories that ultimately became the Old Testament, is they would tell these stories as bedtime stories to their children. And, and then they just got to hear, because they weren't watching Netflix, they weren't watching you know, cable, they weren't on internet, they weren't doing all these things. That They're telling the stories of all the things, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of all the things. So when Isaiah prophesied this, this became part of what they're telling as bedtime stories. Now, I'm going to be honest. This isn't really the bedtime story that I'd want. But there you go. It, it was there. Isaiah 43, 1. 
says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. You may know the scripture. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Look at this. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord, your God. So 126 years before their faces, before they were even born, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying to, I, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that when you're there faced with this, you may go through the fire, but you're not going to be scorched. That gave them the courage to stand up to the king and say, Our God, the God of Israel, the Lord my God, that he said, I am your God, that guy that we're talking about, he is able... He is able to take us out of this fire because I remember my daddy and my granddaddy and my great-granddaddy, they're telling me these stories of the prophet Isaiah who said this, and I know that God is alive. Now, that's great news because they had that to, to give them a backbone. They, gave, they had that ability to know that going into that faith, and that gave them the strength. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it was that great for them when they're bound up and they're being dragged up that 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 um, plank to go into the fire. And, and as it gets hotter and hotter and hotter, I don't think that they were like going, man, this is going to be great. I think it was difficult. I think they might have even had some, some scared feelings and maybe some nervousness and like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is he or isn't he? I mean, we've already, I mean, they made this great movie kind of seeing going, King, we're not going to bow to you. Even if God doesn't, though he slay us. Uh, they made this great story. You can hear the violins and the orchestra all playing behind them in the movie version of this. But when they're standing there, that's a difficult situation. The great news is for us. The same way they had that strength, I believe, of the Isaiah prophecy. We have Isaiah. We have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have Jesus. We have the Bible. That's the reason we read our Bibles, to get the, the strength to come up inside of us. So when we face our struggle, we can recognize that God is right there with us. Because it can be really easy to say, man, there's just no way out of this. You don't understand what's going on with me. You don't understand the pressure that's coming at me. You can't understand what they did to me. You can't, oh, yeah, no, I may not be able to. We see the God, the glory of God, shows up in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your fire, and allows you to stand. But it's that great moment in which you stand and you make a difference to all those. Because other people say, man, I'm going through the same problem you're going through. How are you making How is it you're going through maybe even worse than what I'm going through? And that's when you say, because my God. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Though God isn't likely going to deliver us, He's going to be with us. The glory is revealed in Him making a difference in our lives. We're going to go through it. But even as I read before, the strength of this is being in a relationship with God. 
So the very first step of being able to call upon the name of God for God to even be willing to come and be interested in coming to sit with you and show up in the midst of your fire is having a relationship with him. And I don't know where you're at today. I'm so happy with the number of people that are watching us online and Facebook Live and will listen to the podcast. And it, This is going out to so many different places. I have no idea where you find yourself this morning. You might say, I, I've just been kind of checking church out and, I, and I'm still not really sure and I don't know if I understand it all. You don't have to understand it all. No one's going to understand it all. But you might say, today I'm ready to take that jump. I'm ready to surrender my life to God because I recognize that what I'm doing isn't working out so well for me. There's no one in my fire with me. If that's you today, I want to help lead you in a prayer. The prayer is between you and God. It's private. I'm not even going to ask you to say it out loud. We're not going to invite you up front. This is all between you and God. You might also say, I once knew God, but if I'm honest, Pastor Kevin, I'm far from God. This is your opportunity as well. This prayer is for you. I'm just going to help you with the words. If that's you, pray this prayer. God in heaven, Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place, to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living life on my own, for trying to do it all by myself. Please forgive me. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life the best way I know how. I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Lord, for the first time or for another time. Lord, I ask you, you would be there, you meet them, Lord, and that their lives are changing instantly, just like that. Lord, I pray that you would help them to take the next step and to become more and more dependent upon you to know that you are the God that will meet them in the midst of their fire. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone that is the sound of my voice, Lord. Lord, we're all going to face struggles. We may be in the middle of one, or maybe we're just coming out of one, or maybe we're going to be heading into one, God. It says when we go into a struggle. Lord, I pray that you help us to keep this in mind. That, Lord, that we're jumping in there, that we're doing all to stand. But we have a confidence and who our God is, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. I give you all the words, give you all this message. In Jesus' name we pray.